congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine for a moment that you have a guest living at your home for a few days. And wanting to be a good host, you tell your guest to, to make himself at home. However, it doesn't take long before you realize that the words make yourself at home mean different things to different people. While he's there, he repeatedly raids the fridge and pantry as if it all belonged to him. During mealtimes, he finishes his food at lightning speed and then proceeds to help himself to the food that's on other people's plates. After dinner, he does not even say thanks for the meal. Instead, he loudly asks, what's for dessert? And after the meal's all done, he sprawls out on the couch, expecting everyone else to clean up. Finally, when it's time for your nightmare guest to leave your home, he doesn't express any gratitude for the hospitality received, but he slams the door behind him, leaving a big mess in his wake. Beloved, thankfulness is important. And an ungrateful person surely is noticed. When you receive a gift from someone, when you receive warm hospitality, the appropriate thing to say is, thank you. It's only two words, but it means so much. And you know what? Saying thank you also means a lot to God. We see that in various places in His Word. You see, we, we as it were, are, are guests on this earth. It doesn't belong to us. This is God's world. And every day we receive the amazing hospitality of God, the Creator, the Sustainer of life. We receive his hospitality whenever we have a drink of water. Whenever we eat the slightest morsel of food. And whenever we take a breath of air. See, all of those things are supplied by the generosity of God, our Creator, our Father. Unfortunately, however, many people are living like that rude guest I described some moments ago, taking whatever they want, but never even uttering a mere thank you to the God who provides it all. Now, how important it is to thank God every day and every year, and also on this Thanksgiving weekend. And so to guide us in this as we study this from God's Word, we're going to focus on Psalm 111 this morning, which is our text. The psalm opens with a, a call to praise and to thank God. Listen to verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Notice that these two things, praise and thanksgiving, they, they naturally go together. See, God is glorified when we thank Him for the gifts that He gives us. He's glorified by that. Thanking God honors Him as God, as the source of everything in life. 
And notice also the emphasis in verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. He wants to thank God from the center of his being with everything he's got. Why does he feel this way? It's because he knows he has so many reasons to praise God, to thank God. And the rest of the psalm, as you read the rest of this psalm, you can see so, those reasons coming out in the rest of the verses. We're going to look at them as we go through this psalm, our, our text this morning. So I preach you God's Word this morning under the following theme. Praise and thank God for all of His wonderful works. We'll see that we're going to, we can praise and thank God for, first of all, the goodness of His giving, and second of all, the, the perfection of His person. So as we look at this psalm, uh, the reasons to, to thank and praise God can be split into two generous, uh, general uh, groups. In this first point, we're going to look at the things God generously gives us. And I'm going to start with verse 5, the words of verse 5. The Lord provides food for those who fear Him. Oh, food. We have it every day. It's so easy to forget that it's a gift from God. We had breakfast this morning. Maybe, maybe you eat breakfast. It's a gift that we receive from God. And every time you enter the grocery store, you see food, lots of it, stock, uh, stocked on the shelves. It's easy to forget the, the long process it took to get it there. The supply chain with shipping and trucking, it's not clockwork. In fact, recently there's been fears of supply chain breakdowns. The UK recently faced gasoline and food shortages because of the supply network. And North America could easily face similar challenges. And not only that, but the crops certainly don't grow automatically. And one thing this past summer should teach us is that we can't take a good crop for granted. Many places in Manitoba and across the prairies this summer, they faced harsh drought conditions. And the drought was made worse by an already low water table after months of lower levels of precipitation. And cloudless days this summer with, with high heat, it didn't help either. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't have to mow my lawn for weeks and weeks in the middle of the summer. And many crops this year, they struggled with stunted growth and, and poor yields. You know, at uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, a number of years ago, I preached on Psalm 107, and verses 33 and 34 say in Psalm 107, God turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. And at that time, I mentioned that, that God could do that here in Manitoba too. And, and maybe that, that, just, that sort of scenario seems surreal, but He can, and we even had maybe have a taste of that this year. And it wouldn't really take much for God to turn, yes, this province into a desert. Thankfully, the Lord was also gracious. He heard our prayers for rain. 
and he sent some soaking August rains this past year, replenishing the earth. And some farmers still managed to, to do well this season. We can be thankful for that. And seeing all that, seeing that, that food is not automatic. It's a reminder for us, each of us, to praise and thank God for the gift of food. It's a gift, beloved, a precious gift from God. Every bite that you take, thank Him for food. Thank Him when you eat your Thanksgiving dinner. Thank Him whenever you eat a meal. So the the generous gift of food is a reason to thank and praise God, but we see more from this psalm. Uh, Food is not all that God gives His people. We'll focus on verse 4. Another reason for praise and thanksgiving. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. God caused His wondrous works to be remembered. Now, what are these wondrous works referred to here in verse 4? And how did God cause them to be remembered? Well, in the context of the Old Testament, the wondrous works of God can refer to events like creation and the flood. God did not leave us in darkness about the creation of this world. But for Old Testament Israel, it refers especially to God's work of salvation for them. Think of how the Lord saved Israel out of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles, wondrous works against Pharaoh and his host to save his people from bitter slavery. He then caused those works to be remembered so that his people would know the saving might of their God. He did this through the writings of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. He did it also by instituting the Passover. Every year when Israel celebrated the Passover, they were reminded of God's wondrous works to save them. That they once were slaves, now they were His people, His precious people, that they might serve Him freely. They were reminded of God's grace. He spared them from death in Egypt through the blood of the Lamb. And you know, the the Lord has done a similar thing for us, and even more. He's not only given us the, the writings of Moses, He's given us the entire Bible. All these books in the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit so moved the authors of Scripture that what they wrote was the very Word of God. And in all these Bible books, He's caused His His even greater acts of salvation to be remembered by us so many hundreds and hundreds of years after they were done. How great that is. What a reason that is to thank and praise God this Thanksgiving weekend. Ask yourself this, where would I be if I didn't have the Bible? If I didn't have access to it, if I didn't know about it, well, you would be living in spiritual darkness. You would have no clue about eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
If you didn't have the Bible, you would be without God and without hope in the world. And there are so many people in this world who do not have access to the Bible. As I was making this part of the sermon, I went on the Wycliffe Bible Translators website. And according to Wycliffe Bible Translators, there are 1.5 billion people on earth who don't have a a full Bible in their own language. 1.5 billion people. And then when you look at us, it's almost an embarrassment of riches. We can take a Bible off our shelves at any time. We can look at Scripture any moment from our phones. It's always there, right at our fingertips. And what a gift from God that is. Even greater than the gift of physical food. Remember what the Word of God says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God feeds our souls with His Word. And what a reason to praise and thank Him, beloved. Praise Him for it. Thank Him for the Bible. It's a gift worthy of much study. Verse 2 says, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. They're studied by all who delight in them. (coughs) Excuse me. Beloved, pray that you would delight in them. Delight yourself in the Word of God, in God's works displayed therein. You see, the more you delight in God's works, the more you will study them. The more you study them this way, the more you will take delight in them, and so on and so on, and keep growing. And the more then you will want to praise God and thank God for His wonderful works, not just in general, but for you. For you, beloved. You see, what is it about the works of God in the Bible that, that can delight us so much? What's well, especially God's work of salvation, His grace in Jesus Christ. And that's the best thing He has given us. That's the, that's the pinnacle of His giving. Verse 9 says, God sent redemption to His people. Redemption. And again, for Old Testament Israel, that referred primarily to redemption from slavery and death in Egypt. But for us here and now, God sent us redemption through Jesus Christ. He bought us back through His Son. He made us His own children. He saved us from the clutches of death. And how did He redeem us through His Son? Well, He gave His Son to die for us in our place. If you want to know the generous giving of God, this is it. Not sparing His Son, giving Him up for us all that that we might be forgiven, that we might be saved. It says God sent redemption to His people, and what is that redemption all about? Listen for a moment to... Galatians 3, verse 13, describes our redemption like this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. 
Here it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And what is the curse of the law? Well, think of the Old Testament curses of the covenant, the curses for disobedience. You can read about the curses for disobedience in places like Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. And, and when we read those passages in Scripture, we, we might not want to read them. They sound so harsh. And, and indeed, they, they are stark. Listen only to Deuteronomy 28. This is the curse from the curses of the covenant. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration, and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. And the Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heart, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. Right? Stark words. The curses of the covenant, not, not pleasant to hear. I could hear some of it in our reading from Deuteronomy 4, too. You've, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. Now, listen again to those words from Galatians 3 about our redemption. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is why God sent His Son. The curse of the law was also upon us for our sin. And it would have come down upon us for eternity. But God gave His Son. Christ Jesus gave Himself. He stepped in our place. And the curse of the law, that should have fallen on us, it fell on Christ. And that is what the cross of Christ is all about. Christ in our place, taking our curse upon Himself for us. It's by that word of Christ that God has given us redemption. Again, what a reason to praise and thank God. Not only this weekend, but every day. Reminds me of the words of a well-known hymn, There is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Remember this especially as you celebrate Thanksgiving. Remember not only the gift of food, but remember the gift of, the, of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God for this redemption. It's an eternal redemption. Praise Him now and every day brings us to our second point. So, in the first point, we looked at God's generous giving as a reason to praise and thank God. We also see another theme emerge in Psalm 111. 
as, as you read this psalm, you can, you can see that this psalm focuses so much on God Himself, right? Who He is, what He does, His character, His attributes, His perfections. And these things too, these things that scribe our God, they're all reasons to, to praise and thank Him as well. We're going to look at some of them in the second point. And listen to some of the things that are described here about our God, about His works. Great are the works of the Lord. Full of splendor and majesty is His work. His righteousness endures forever. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He remembers His covenant forever. The works of His hands are faithful and just. Holy and awesome is His name. <coughs> Excuse me. What a beautiful description of the Lord. Understand, this is your God. This is who God is and who He is for His people, us, His children. And this description matches with the rest of God's own revelation of Himself throughout the Bible. His work is full of splendor and majesty, it says here. Well, just think of creation. As you look at creation, you can see God's splendor and majesty on display all the time. It says God is gracious and merciful. Think, think of, as you read the Bible, how often the Lord had mercy on His people Israel. God remembers His covenant forever. Even when the Lord did punish Israel for their sins and discipline them, yet He remembered His covenant also to Abraham. He never said, that's it, I'm just going to walk away from my covenant. No. He remembered His, his faithfulness. What He promised to Abraham, He was going to do, though Though Israel is unfaithful, he would be the faithful God. And there's this, this description of God here in Psalm 111. It, it matches with our Lord Jesus Christ. It describes who Jesus Christ is. And that should be no surprise, of course, because he's the Son of God. Christ himself said in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And he stated emphatically in John 14, verse 9, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And so this description of God in, in Psalm 111, we see it in Jesus Christ as well. And truly how, how great the works of Jesus Christ are. Healed countless sick people that were brought to him drove out thousands of demons, raised to life again those who died, right by the power of His voice, could raise the dead. And He Himself rose again after His own death on the cross, the wondrous works of Jesus Christ our Lord. And as the Lord is described as gracious and merciful here in Psalm 111, so was our Lord Jesus. How often did he not eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors, the outcasts in Israel, welcoming them, 
eating with them. Numerous times we see him forgiving people's sins. Look at how freely he forgave Peter who denied him three times. Jesus Christ is gracious and merciful. Then, of course, there's the cross. He was willing to suffer and die for our sins. That is His mercy and grace on full display. In every way, Christ Jesus shows us the perfection of God's very person, also as described here in Psalm 111. And why is this such a big reason to praise and thank the Lord? Well, perhaps it's a bit self-explanatory, but think of it this way. What if things were completely different? What if Yahweh, the Lord, were like the idols of the nations, the gods of the nations? Or, or what if God was completely the opposite to what's described here? What if instead of being gracious and merciful, God were capricious and tyrannical? What if instead of the works of His hands being faithful and just, the works of His hands were actually treacherous? and duplicitous. Well, if that were the case, then we would be all in real trouble. In fact, those things, those opposite things, they describe the devil as he wreaks havoc in this world. But our God is not like that. He's not duplicitous. He is not tyrannical. He is truthful He is righteous. He is good. He is perfect. And He will always be that way. And that means He is dependable. He is faithful. We can trust Him completely with our lives. You can trust God completely with your life. Think of what it says in verse 7 also. All God's precepts are trustworthy. God's precepts refer to His commands or His instructions. And because God is entirely trustworthy, His commands are entirely trustworthy. Now, as you go through your everyday life, you never need to wonder to yourself, is is it a good idea to follow God's commands at this point? Or you never think that. Or, or you never need, need never think, you know, is it going to be the best choice to follow God's instructions here? Yes, it will be the best choice. You know, think for a moment of someone you don't trust at all, right? There's someone you, you don't trust them at all. You'll probably second guess everything they say. Can I depend on what this person is telling me right now? Are they telling me the truth? If I do what they say, is it going to work out? Am I going to hurt myself? We need never worry if following God's commandments will be good or not. Or we need never need wonder if it's wise to follow them. No, they are trustworthy. And we can commit fully to obeying them, knowing that it will be the best path no matter what. No matter how hard it might look, it will be the best path. 
And no matter how attractive sin might look, we can know that it's only the way of pain. God's commandments are good. Again, think of what we read from Deuteronomy 40. The Lord was urging His people, keep these commands and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding also in the sight of the people who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Certainly that is true because God's commandments are good. His Word is good. And this goes not only for God's precepts, His commandments. They are not only trustworthy, but also goes for His promises. They are trustworthy. As it says in verse 5, He remembers His covenant forever. And again in verse 9, He has commanded His covenant forever. And wait, so that means when God says, for example, in 1 John, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you never doubt that. It's a sure promise because God is trustworthy. His promises are always true. And when God says, believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you can depend on it. It's the most sure thing in the world because it comes from the faithful God who does not change. He's true, He's faithful, He's righteous, and He is good. So you can build your life on God's Word, His promises. You can seek to fully obey His commandments. And what a reason also, again, to praise God and thank God this weekend and always. Beloved, this is your God. Worship Him. Worship your way through the week. Delight yourself in God. Praise Him for who He is. Thank Him for who He is, also for us. You know, what can you be thankful for this Thanksgiving? Certainly thank God for food. But thank God that He is this God for you and He will not change. Thank, you that, thank Him that He is your God in Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, He will always be your God. Thank and praise Him that you get to be a part of His people. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing Psalm 111. Uh, that same psalm will sing stanzas 3, 4, and 5, and we'll do so standing. <clears throat>